I want to welcome you to this service together with us at Forest Hill Church. Whether you're joining us from any of our campuses, where we have been so excited to see you come back and to experience the power of being together for a worship service, or if you're joining us online and you've been able to, to be a part of that digitally, so glad that you're here because today is really, really important. We are finishing up a series that we've been in for the last several weeks. It's been called Citizens. We've been looking at the idea of what does it mean to live life like a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. It's a different way of being when you begin to follow Christ. And we've talked about all kind of ways that impacts us from how we think to how we behave to what we should be about to the way we use our money and our time. And today we're going to talk about something that is literally life or death. The topic for today is community, the need for us to be engaged in meaningful relationships with other people. And here's why I say that it's life and death. It's so important right now because what we are learning is that loneliness is lethal. Loneliness is lethal. Here's what I mean by that. Over the last several years, studies have been done by researchers in all kinds of different parts of the world that have looked at this idea of how does the aspect of loneliness and disconnectedness of isolation, something that many are feeling right now, how does that impact the body? The, not only the quality of life, but the expectancy of life. And here's what's been found. Loneliness actually has the same physical effects on a human being as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness leads to this increase in hypertension. It leads to uh, all kinds of physical diseases and even mental disorders when we find ourselves isolated and alone. And that, true, that is true across all ages, all demographics in all parts of the world. When we live lives of isolation, it can kill us. So it's not only being lonely, like physically isolated, but then you add in the fact that sometimes we can be alone even if we're in a crowded place. Many of us have experienced this because you've been maybe in a group of people or you've been going through a season in life where you find that, yeah, you've got people that may know your name. You've got places to go where other folks physically are, but you're afraid that if anybody knew the real you, if, if they maybe got a peek under the hood or behind the curtain, that they wouldn't like you, they'd reject you. And so we can experience loneliness even being around other people. Well, then that's just true of humans. And in 2018, 2019, we were told that 50% of Americans were experiencing that. And then the pandemic of COVID hits. And guess what happens? Now, not only is loneliness lethal, but being connected can kill you. And so we've had over the last six months to fight this idea that we have to somehow keep ourselves from the detrimental experience of being isolated. And yet we have to do it in ways that are still safe physically. And so this idea of finding a community, of being a part of something that helps the real you, the you that, that you know you are supposed to be, that helps that come out and be expressed, it's never been more important. It's also never been more clear that God knew exactly what he was talking about when he made human beings. See, the recipe for how to deal with loneliness and isolation has been in the Bible since page one. So we're gonna look today at the idea of how do we engage community, why is it so important, and what are some steps for you to take there? And to do that, I just wanna remind you of around here, we say this. We say that we live like together is better. 
We believe that together is better because bridge building, the mission that God has our church on, is a team building sport. It requires faith friendships from beginning to end. We believe that as followers of Jesus and as part of Forest Hill Church, we need to be on mission together. So I want to read from you this momentary glimpse into a time when Jesus and his disciples, those who were first on mission for him, were engaging in the world. I want to show you how he set us up in that place for principles that can impact how we live today. And then I want to talk to you about next steps for you as you look at joining community and avoiding the pain of loneliness. To do this, we're going to be looking today at Luke chapter 10. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 9, and so I'm going to ask wherever you are, at a campus or online, if you would stand up and join us as we read this scripture together, acknowledging the authority of God over our lives. Here's what Luke says. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this household. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not... It will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. This is God's word. You can be seated. In this little vignette of the life of Jesus, we find several things about how he expects us to do this thing called life, especially as we choose to follow him. And all of the things that I want to point out to you are based on the idea that as human beings, we were made for community. It goes all the way back to the fact that we reflect the image of God. We talked about this some last week in our idea of biblical justice, but we are made in the image of God the creator. And what that means is not that we necessarily physically look like him, but that in all the ways that he is, we are supposed to reflect that image to the world. We're supposed to show the goodness of who he is. And and here's the first thing we learn about God, is that God is a community himself. At the very beginning of scripture, in Genesis 1, as God goes to create the entire universe and everything that we see, we're told that he says, let us. He's speaking the idea of what we call in the church, the Trinity, right from the jump. The idea is that God is one. He exists in three persons, though, this diversity of personality within the unity of one God. It's a tough thing for us to wrap our mind around, but what it tells us is God's intention and even his very existence is one of community. So as human beings, when he makes us in his image, we're told that he wants us to be involved in community as well, in relationship with him, but also in relationship with each other. This is why God says at the very beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. God knew even in the middle of all of the beauty of the Garden of Eden and this world bursting with potential that with everything Adam, the first man, had that he could do and engage with, that it wasn't right, it wasn't best for him to do that on his own. 
So God institutes community into the very heart of what it means to be a human. In fact, we say a lot of times that we were meant for community, and I would say even more than that, we were actually made for it. Here's what I mean. You're in my body, our minds, our emotions, all of those operate best when we're experiencing the joy of quality, authentic relationships. So you can find that you can take a a person, you can put them in a situation where they're isolated and maybe they can function for a while, kind of like a weed eater. You can get it to run on a gas with the wrong oil mix for a little bit, but eventually it sputters out and is no good and in fact dies. That's true for us as humans as well. We were made to be in a community. And one of the most debilitating aspects of sin entering the world in the fall is that it reduced and in fact it hampered our ability to be in real, quality, harmonious relationships. So one of the aspects that Jesus brings when he comes and lives the perfect life that we were meant to live, when he pays the penalty for sin, dies on the cross and is resurrected, giving us this new life, what we call the gospel, Whenever that happens, one of the most important and impactful benefits is that we get the chance again to be able to engage in real community. And and here's the really, really important part of this idea. For us as a church, those of us who are people of God, being called and redeemed by him and then learning to live as citizens of his kingdom, we're in training for the forever part of our future. Have you ever thought about that? Who you're becoming and who I'm becoming, the way we're learning to be and the way we're learning to be with each other right now is all kind of the preseason, the practice for who we're gonna be in eternity. And one of the things that's true about us is we will be in perfect, harmonious relationship with each other forever. God is actually shaping and forming us to be able to do that for eternity and a process that we call here on this side of heaven, sanctification. Sanctification is a big church word, and it simply means this, that over time, you and I, when we have come to faith in Christ and we're allowing him now to to shape us, that we are beginning to look more and more like the people God intended us to be, like, like Jesus, actually. The agent of sanctification is the Holy Spirit, the spirit and power of God working in us. The tool of sanctification is the truth of the gospel, But the context of sanctification is actually community. This is why it's so important that we be involved in some. Uh, So here at Forest Hill, we talk about the idea that in community, we are going to experience the gospel together. Here's what I mean by that. Listen to these words from Paul writing to the Colossians, chapter one, verse four. It says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, that good news of the gospel. You've already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It's bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. Paul makes a distinction in this passage between knowing the gospel, knowing that Jesus came, that he rescued us and that he's offered us the invitation to find life with him forever, he, he makes the distinction between knowing that information and actually appreciating or experiencing the benefit of it in our lives. The difference in this to me is the difference in knowing the content of the gospel and participating in the power of the gospel. 
Um, a couple of years ago, Jessica, my wife and I got a chance to go to a NASCAR race. Now, I know you, maybe you're not a NASCAR fan, but, but there is something about being in one of those stadiums, and this seems like forever ago now, with 100,000 people packed into seats. I knew all the, about NASCAR from a rules perspective. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? Drive fast, turn left, drink sun drop. Like I got that part, but then somebody invited me to go to a race and I got to experience it and it's a whole different thing. I remember we put on headphones and we walked down right to the edge of the track. And when the cars are racing around, you feel the rumble of the engines and of all the crowd. There's something about the, the adrenaline, the gasoline, the testosterone even that's happening in that moment that you can't just read about in a book and understand. You have to actually experience it. It's, it's kind of like you can know the rules to a game, but if you've never actually played it, you don't know the thrill or the exhilaration of hitting that perfect tee shot, of getting a, a perfect score in bowling. Uh, it, it also reminds me of, you remember the movie Goodwill Hunting where Robin Williams is talking to the, the young orphan about his life? He's been working with him for a while and he says to this young, absolutely brilliant man, he says, sitting on a park bench, you know, I could ask you about Michelangelo and you could tell me all about his stats. You could give me quotes. You could probably list every place he's lived and everything that he wrote. But you can't tell me what it smells like standing in the Sistine Chapel. This is the difference between just knowing about the gospel and experiencing it. And the experience of the gospel has the most incredible impact when it happens in community. I would argue that you actually can't get the full, expect, or the full experience of it unless you're in community. And this came home for me uh, really powerfully about 15 to 17 years ago. It was right here at Forest Hill Church. See, I grew up going to church as a little kid. I knew all the stories. I knew a lot of facts about Jesus. I knew the rules and how you were supposed to you know, go through life and look like a good moral kind of guy. But what I had missed was actually experiencing what it means to have the life of Christ in you. So I come to Forest Hill and Jessica and I, we join a, a group at the time, a, a small form of community with about seven other couples. And we began to study scripture and we began to pray and we began to get to know each other. And something happened about my understanding of the message of Jesus by being in that group with other people. It was a really fascinating group. There were all kinds of different backgrounds represented. There were some people who were homeschooled and grew up in church. There were others, one couple in particular, that were actually coming out of the Wiccan faith. There was a guy who was an atheist and a doctor who could give us all of the reasons why this wasn't real, but he was coming with his wife. There were couples whose marriage was on the brink and others who were waiting for some breakthroughs in ways that you and I could probably understand in their financial life. We were just a hodgepodge of, of humanity. And I walked into that group for the first time, thinking maybe I was the only one struggling with this authentic grasp of faith. I, I thought, maybe I'm an imposter. Maybe I'm just a hypocrite, because I, I think I'm a Christian. I, I believe all this stuff, but, but I'm the only one maybe who has these doubts. And over the course of months, as we sat and talked about the things we struggled with, as we got more and more vulnerable, 
more and more able to speak about what we were struggling with or, or the joys that we were celebrating. As we did that together and people began to know the real me, I started to experience what Paul says, the fruit of the gospel growing in our little group and then out into the rest of our community. It was a transformative experience. It's a part of why I ended up even becoming a, a pastor. It was this moment for me where my step of, of honestly, it was courage to step into community, to allow somebody to know me. Well, that was the thing that changed just about everything for my faith life. And here's why it felt like courage. Because you and I, we are so programmed to stay independent. I mean, that's, that's kind of part of who we are as good Americans, right? That we believe that independent self-reliance, being strong, not needing anything from anyone, that that's the goal. And yet the gospel, God's intention for humanity pushes against all that. The gospel actually defeats all of the things that would keep us from actually engaging in proper community. Let me, let me give you just an example. The gospel defeats our self-pity and our self-centeredness. When we come to the realization of what Jesus has done and what he wants for us, when we realize that the God of the universe was willing to die for just you, for just me, man, it, it takes our feelings of, of no self-worth and no self-value and it, and it throws them out. It says that can't be true. But it also takes our self-centeredness and it says, because the God of the universe would live that way, you, you can't keep that up. You're too valuable. In fact, that's what Jesus was communicating to those first disciples he sent out on mission. Is that, hey, each one of you is so important that I'm calling you into this mission with me, but none of you are more important than the other. That's why I'm putting you with a partner. I'm going to make sure you always have someone to reflect the fact that you're not perfect either. In fact, the message of the gospel is that you and I are worse off than we ever imagined and we are loved more than we could ever possibly dream. That's what the gospel defeats. It also defeats our self-reliance. Uh, in this instance, Jesus sends them out together rather than singles. Now, there were 72 of them. Don't you think in our kind of modern Western way of, of thinking about how to accomplish a mission, you would say, send them out individually then cover more territory. In fact, many of us, through this period of, of COVID, I think in some ways, even though isolation's been hard, we've started to believe like, maybe I'm better off on my own. I, maybe I'm a lot more efficient, getting a whole lot more work done. There's something about our buy-in to this self-reliance idea that, that, that really causes us to struggle with the idea of community. Jesus is masterful when he puts these guys together. What he's doing is showing them from the very beginning that they have to have a priority on relationships. In fact, that they can't just rely on themselves. They're gonna have to rely on each other because they, uh, he challenges their self-sufficiency. They're told they have to leave their money bags, their stuff, their sandals. He sends them out on mission and says, don't take anything with you that you can provide for yourself. You're gonna have to learn to trust other people. You're gonna have to stay in somebody's house that you don't know and trust that their food is enough to keep you sustained. You're gonna have to sleep in their bed. You're gonna have to allow their hospitality to be the thing that makes the difference for you between life or death. The gospel, it also defeats our self-protection. 
Remember he said, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. From the very beginning, Jesus is telling them this is dangerous. There is adversity out there. And if you live your life only to protect self, to try to guard off anything that might be dangerous, like many of us do, we begin to try to just maximize comfort instead of maximize mission. He doesn't allow that for these disciples. Then the last thing is the gospel defeats our self-importance. He tells them straight up, some people are gonna reject your message. Your idea about how the world's supposed to work, your invitation, as good as it is, as, as much as it is right and as much as people need it, there are gonna be some who will look at you and say, no thanks. And many of us are the kind of people that if somebody rejects the very fabric of who we are, rejects our belief system, our way of living, that feels like they reject us. The gospel goes straight at all the things that would keep us from engaging community. And Jesus does this practically in this setting. And it causes us to recognize that we have been living anti-human lives. Folks, the most important thing for you or I to gain is not autonomy. And Jesus says, this is not about independence, being able to do everything your way and on your own. But the community of the Christian faith is not also about codependence. It's not constantly needing something from someone else. It's about interdependence, about being created and looking at another created person and seeing the worth, the honor, the gifts that they have and saying together, we complement each other. We're what the world needs to see. Jesus is teaching them that relationships have to be the number one priority in their life. And that's hard. It's hard for me. In fact, I would say out of all the messages in this citizen series, I personally probably struggle with this idea the most. And I don't know if it's because of how I grew up or the way that I'm personality wired or, or just my experience, but I, I struggle with engaging in deep, real community. Is that you? Is it maybe because of some of those things that I just mentioned that the gospel challenges? If so, we can see that they bring unhealth and you and I could choose to stop today and to begin to engage in a real way in meaningful community. Second thing about how we do it around here is that we live like together is better because we engage in the community together. And here's what I mean by that. In Hebrews 10, it says this, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Another translation of this says, let's stir up good works among each other. That there's so many places in the Bible where it says uh, to Christians, these ideas called one another's, love one another, forgive one another, be patient with one another, be long suffering with one another, uh, extend grace to one another. And you can't do, by definition, any of those one another's on your own. And something happens when we uh, engage with other people with a group like that is that we get to not only experience the joy of being loved, even as people know us, the real us, but we get to experience the power of extending that same thing back to someone else. Because let's face it, I'm a really patient person until I'm surrounded by people who annoy me. I mean, what about you? You're a really loving person until you get surrounded by people who are hard to love. I mean, I have no problem being humble as long as the people around me love and respect me, you know? 
I mean, that's just kind of where we are as humans. And so when you get into a group setting, a community, you get to find out that you're not the center of the universe and I'm not either. But also you get to find out the joy of being okay with that, of being able to have someone serve alongside with us and serve us at times. It breaks down so many of the things that just keep us separated from the us that God intended, from the the truly human you that you were meant to be, made for this kind of community. But there's another aspect to doing it together, and that is that we become a, a witness to a watching world. And you think about the moment right now where everything that could possibly divide us, anything that could possibly put you in separate camps, uh, we're choosing to do. That's part of this whole series is the idea that as citizens, we gotta live above that. And so Jesus says this in John 13, he says, this new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, catch this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The way that, that the world who needs what we have those of us who are followers of Jesus, will understand that we are a part of God's family, that we're citizens, is by watching how we love each other. So it's a huge thing to choose to live your faith out in community. This week, uh, a guy at our church gave me a call and he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, um, I'd like to do some counseling. There's some stuff that I've got to deal with in my life. And as we talked about it, he said, and the way that I came to this place is because my life group leader he just had a really gentle but a really direct conversation. He knows me, and, and, and I've been able to be open about some struggles, and he finally said, hey, you need some help with carrying this. That's one of the powerful impacts of allowing real community to happen with you and me. Because see, what COVID's done is it's, it's busted up all of our superficial, kind of our surface level ideas of community. Sure, you can have a Peloton shirt and be in the Peloton group, or you can be a part of a book club or whatever. But when we're forced inside, we're forced away from each other physically for a time, you find out that those groups don't do enough. They don't show up at the deepest places of your soul when you need to be reminded of God's love for you. They don't show up at those moments when you need to be reminded that this is not best for you. This is the power of engaging in community together. And finally, because we're a church that's really serious about the mission that God has us on, to build bridges that connect everyone to this dynamic life in Christ, then we equip each other as bridge builders. We stay on mission by being in community. Uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The idea that these first 72 Jesus sent out and that you and I all these years later are on mission for is to tell the world, to tell the people that we come into contact with, hey, be reconciled back to God. He wants that for you. And in community, we learn lots of different angles and perspectives. See, I don't know how to talk to every person about where they're coming from and what's the barrier that's keeping them from Christ. I don't understand all the angles. But in order to build a bridge to them, I may find from someone else in my community who has lived their experience, who does have their background, who is wired like them, a different way to push through and to allow them to meet Christ. So being in a community is huge for our mission. 
Well, here's what happens. When you look at the end of that story, the 72, their faith and their unity, they're destroying their own sense of independence and self-reliance. As it forces them out, Jesus says, here's what's gonna happen. People are gonna get healed. The kingdom of God is gonna come near. And that little group that I was a part of that started my whole journey, we watched over the course of two years as the atheist doctor came to faith and was baptized. Another guy gave his life to Christ and was baptized shortly after that. We had a marriage that was on the rocks that got healed. We had a couple that found a way through others carrying their burdens and choosing to love them. They found a way through the difficulty and we were able to celebrate them coming to a place of stability. And that whole group, although we had our struggles, it was not perfect. And the group that you're gonna be a part of, it is not going to be perfect. But through all of that, we saw Jesus in a deeper way. We experienced the gospel in a deeper way. I think the reason that so many of us stay stunted in our growth, our spiritual life, is because we just know a lot about the content, but we don't participate in the power through community. So if you're ready for that step, maybe it's because you know that the point I started with is true, that loneliness and you're feeling that, that isolation, that it's lethal. If you're ready to make a step, it's really simple. Our life groups are gonna be uh, rolling out into bridge groups in January, 2021. And if you're in a life group, you're gonna hear more about that. But if today you just wanna be a part of a group, then here's what you do. Go to foresthill.org slash online, click that connect button and fill out a connect card. There's a spot that says, join a group. We'd love to help you take that next step. Or if you're experiencing this, you're sitting at a campus right now, or you're watching online, and you're like, I just need some community, then you can text CONNECT to the number that's on the screen. And we'd love to help walk you through what's the best next step for you. Here's the point as I close today. Don't allow yourself to live below that which God has intended for you. Don't allow yourself to have to go through life isolated and lonely. Allow the community of faith to help you experience what God has wanted for your life all along. Can I pray for you now? Would you join me in prayer? Father, we know that loneliness is not what you intended for humanity. It's not what you meant for any of us. It actually, it goes against everything that you want for this world for each of us and everything that you are. And you gave us the way to, to be able to experience that which you've intended for us, that community that you've wanted us to be in, the love and the acceptance through Christ. I pray first, God, that you would have those who are watching and listening today, that you would have any who are not yet reconciled to you, God, that you would move in their hearts and you would move on them to trust you today with their life. And then I pray, God, that you would just take all of us with all of our excuses, all of our reasons, the good ones and the ones that are well thought through and, and the other ones, like I just don't have enough time or I just don't feel like it's that important. And you'd bust through all that and you would invite us to take a step into community today. I pray that you would, as you do that, help us experience the power of the gospel of Christ deep in our souls and that we wouldn't be the same for it. Thank you for the truth of your word and for this church as we follow you on mission into the future. In Jesus' name, amen.